Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. If you are leading change, building a team, or implementing new procedures, Gonzaga University's online Master's in Organizational Leadership gives you the tools for success. With concentrations in change, global, and servant leadership, you'll get the most relevant training and education to help you tackle any challenge. Visit gonzaga.edu leader and find out how Gonzaga's organizational leadership degree can affect positive change in your life and career. That's gonzaga.edu leader. The new Deborah Health Report podcast drops the first Wednesday of every month. Visit DeborahHealthReport.com for the latest with Raza Kay as she discusses heart disease, sleep conditions, and more with leading doctors at Deborah Heart and Lung Center. Listen at DeborahHealthReport.com. This episode of the Modern Drummer podcast with Mike and Mike is brought to you by Dream Symbols, manufacturers of handmade, hand-hammered symbols at very affordable prices. So please follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for at Dream Symbols and check them out. What's up, guys, and welcome to episode 126 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. It is going to be an awesome day, and we've got a ton of stuff to talk about. Most of the drum industry is prepping for NAM, so Mike and I will talk a little bit about that. In our educational section, we'll talk about exercises for developing your weak hand. Our featured artist this time is none other than the great Questlove. In our gear review section, I'll be checking out the 15-inch Minel Pure Alloy Hi-Hats. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. Man, how excited are you for Nam? Hey, <laughs> you know it's actually <laughs> snuck up, and I haven't even thought about it. Until, oh, really? For, okay. I mean, this year I'm trying to avoid, you know, locking in too many meetings because those end up just being chaos, mass chaos yeah. for me. Because it's right. like they want to do a half hour, and then I've got to run to somewhere else a half hour. Inevitably, it's three floors down or something. You so, run into 20 people during that time that you haven't seen in five years. Yeah, just to get on to the polite. escalator, and then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah i got to go to the bathroom, but good luck finding a bathroom that you can actually get into. So, And then you realize you haven't eaten in seven hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just see some some guy walking by with a bag of jelly beans. You reach in, grab a handful, stuff it in your face, and you're like, bro, oh, not man. now. Not so, now. What, my, uh, my trick is to fill up on breakfast, like an enormous breakfast, so then I'm not even okay. thinking about food until dinner time, and then it's it's okay. But yeah, Man. it is next week, isn't it? Goodness gracious. I'm skipping it. This is my first year skipping it in a very long time. No fair. You got to come down. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'm okay. I would, honestly, I did want to go. And I mean, I actually kind of need to be there. I've, I've got quite a few uh, meetings with people from different countries that I just can't meet with any other way. But 
uh, Carter and I are starting a camp on the Saturday of NAM. We have orientation that evening. And I just knew that if I was, since I wouldn't be flying, I'd be driving. If I was driving back and forth, I didn't want the campers to feel like, like mm. I just whisked in like, hey, all right, let me uh, just try to, yeah, we'll figure this out. You know, I want them to get here and be like, okay, this is clearly prepared for and he's ready for us. You know, well, I, don't I mean, scatterbrain. Carter's going to be at NAM. <laughs> well, I'm aware of that, but he's flying and uh, and he has me to hold it down. Like he gets to be like the aloof artist. Right. And I just I'm, I'm like, all right, guys, there's what we're going to do. And it's going to be oh, and it starts man. at 10 a.m. on the dot. And we, Carter might be here, or he might he might be a little late. No, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be pretty rad. He and I were literally talking about that exact thing, that exact thing last night. Like he was like, "What's my role going to be?" I'm like, "You're just going to be the guy that just plays." <laughs> He's like, exactly, yeah. dude. Mike's going to be have awesome. All the details and all the structure. You just be the guy that just plays. <laughs> you just be awesome. That's all you got to do. And then and then I'm the guy that every time you do something awesome, the entire class looks at me like to say, can you do that? And then I just have to smile and be like, nope, I cannot. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. It'll be fun. And it's still odd to me, but this will be our first time ever meeting. Yeah, you mentioned and, that too. Uh, I thought that was strange, but I guess that's, you know, East Coast, West Coast. You haven't been over here in a while, so. No, no. So should be good. So you're getting ready for NAM. Um, well, yep. you you will be. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm all good, the man. you know all the pre-show press is coming in. There's going to be some interesting products. I'm curious about a few things that are coming out that uh, how they're going to be received. Okay. In particular, there's two Anything two of the major can, brands. Nah, you can't tell us, right? Yet. I can't tell you. There's okay. definitely a new symbol uh, series okay. that's coming out that is either going to be everyone's going to dig, not everyone, but the the target market is going to love it, or it's going to be like. A total lead balloon. I have to ask you. I, okay, <laughs> we might we might literally just change the world right now. How has Nam not introduced a Tinder app where you walk by everyone's booth and you give them a hot or not, <laughs> and then just calculate the results at the end, and it's totally open to the public, and it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, but now we know you don't have dinner with them at the end of the show. I and mean, what, what's that's the what goal? I'm saying? It's the be- <laughs> no, I, the goal is that we get a real reading of what people think of your product because I don't oh, know. I've like, seen those. I've seen those Nam awards where it's like most innovative product of 2016. I'm like, really nylon tip sticks were the most innovative i think someone paid you yeah, I don't, i'm not I'm, sure I'm, who does the voting for that i'm not involved in that so <laughs> but yeah there's, a, there's a there's a new symbol series that could be really great or it could just okay. be something that i'm not sure what's going to happen and then there's an accessory item coming out that i think another company had tried before and maybe didn't do super great with so i'm, I'm okay again i'm just curious to see how some of these Seems like there's a, maybe a little bit more innovation this year coming, um, as okay. compared to the past year or so. so you got to we'll do me one favor when you get over to the A and F booth. You got to check out the fourteen by four nickel over brass. Mm. So, from what I understand, Rami was uh, the president of A and F was able to track down the family that did the nickel over brass in the twenties for Ludwig. The family still owns the nickel plating business, and the grandson nickel plated these A and F snares in the same way they were done back in the twenties. Um, well, so he's going in. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's going in, man. So I, mean, I, 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 I have only seen these in pictures. Um, and now that I own one of those drums, I'm like, oh, let's see what you got. But, yeah, uh, well, I mean, there's other elements of that sound. Sure, you know, with of the, course. But I th- I'm very curious to check out that. So, and the uh, the bass drum muffler thing that he kind of developed Dude, looks pretty neat. that 
kind of looked actually kind of cool. It, everything um, he makes kind of has like a um, what's the vibe? It's a certain aesthetic. Like I, I imagine everyone, not everyone, but most of the guys who really dig his aesthetic also do their own coffee beans. <laughs> you know, like yeah, they pour yeah. over and they all have and they have Triumph mo- motorcycles, <laughs> and the helmet doesn't have a visor, <laughs> and you know, I, I get it, but. I will say this, like, the other thing that he does is every time he does something, I go, why the hell hasn't anyone done that before? I mean, that's like, what I said that, you know, before, like, some of these timeless pieces that all these companies are chasing after, why didn't the original just come back out? I mean, the two-piece brass shell, where is it? Why isn't anyone doing it? Right. Like, come on. You know? Give me a two-piece brass shell. That's what I- <laughs> <laughs> I got to say though when he, when he put uh, and by the way if you guys don't know what we're talking about just check out uh ANF's Instagram channel they've got this little bass drum attachment that would be almost similar to the way you would attach a cowbell to your bass drum but it allows you to attach things that actually hit the rezzo head so you can hang a tambourine on your rezzo head with this attachment you can yeah. hang a muffler you can <clears throat> you can hang uh, wire brushes and almost give it like a or uh, I think he actually had snare wires Snare so wires, it was big like, fat snare drum with the tambourine jingles. Man, yeah. when I heard that, I was like, okay, that that wins. Uh, I And it seemed like it had some sort of Velcro attachment to it. So yep. I'm excited to see if that's just Rami being Rami or if that's an actual ANF product that's going to be on the market. Um, I Pretty actually sure have no is. inside information yeah. on that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where things go. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, I'll be uh, – if anyone is interested, I'll be flooding the Modern Drummer Instagram page with – hourly posts of new products and I like I try to like to dig into the booth so I'm not like just doing the big display item I try to find like right. the small little things that that cool I think are cooler I mean the big kits with the flashy finishes are awesome but right. I want to find the you know the weird little gadgets and stuff so I will we'll be see. home uh f- living vicariously through you buddy <laughs> sweet well but, but my the... studio will be hella clean when Carter gets here. And <laughs> he can got... just go ahead and think that's how it is. He's got some products that he's going to be announcing at the show. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> excited about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. But... Yeah, goodness gracious. Uh, good stuff. All right. Well, let's get into some education, buddy. Hey, what about our intro guy? Oh, Kelly. Kelly. How about that beat? Oh, and by that the way, we forgot, we forgot to... Uh, credit ryan for last week's closing beat <laughs> as i was editing the awesome. show i'm like should i do a, a voiceover like no that'd be awkward this is ryan <laughs> ryan is awesome thank you for our closing beat uh yeah so thanks ryan uh he's an awesome mike's lesson student younger cat and he, i've just seen him grow so much so really cool and uh kelly going full ambient like that's yeah. some reverb it's definitely cool he's he's a i think he's a facebook friend of mine and he's been sending me some stuff that you know, along the same lines of the kind of weird effect stuff that I've been doing. It's been neat to see. This one's cool. Yeah. This is one like when you re- use reverb for a purpose, <laughs> you know, right, rather yeah. than make your drums sound good. It's like, here's just Do you think his purpose great. was, is there any way I can make Mike Johnston sound like less of a moron in the intro? Yes, I can. <laughs> reverb. Let me give him at least just some some seriously tribal funk to get down to. Yeah. I got to say, though, last, was it last week where we had the full-on like, theme I song? Loved it. I loved it. it I kind of was like, maybe we should have I one of these it. and be done. <laughs> yeah. that, it was kind of rad. Um, so. I like that a lot. But Kelly is giving you the uh, intro in an airport vibe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what's amazing, though? 
are our listeners kind of badass? Like, yeah, our listeners are rad. These are great drummers. Yeah, I mean, really I'm, cool. I'm not cherry picking these files. It's the first come, first serve. So we're hearing pretty much everything that's come in so far. And there's you know, maybe so another cool. another half a dozen more. So if you want to get your beats on the show, send them to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. Please include your name in the file name just so I don't lose the file. Or if it has the same name as another file, they get duplicated and trashed. So info at moderndrummer.com. So, education, what are we talking about today? Oh, uh, we also have to at some point visit my new obsession, which is vintage bass drum pedals. Oh, good God. Why? Dude. No, no, I mean, only for decoration. I didn't know they were so cheap. They're like literally 30 bucks, dude. Like, yeah, like 20 no to 30 bucks. Them. Exactly. And that's what, that's what I'm trying to tell you is the all of a sudden toys. I realized, I was like, wait a minute. I know why nobody wants these. And, and I had this crazy realization that like, okay, in drums or anything that makes a sound, we can go forward in time and backwards in time. I, we went back to the 1920s for my most recent snare, and I love it. I can go see what's happening at <laughs> NAMM this year, and I can love it. But in hardware, you only go forward. At no point do you go, I wish this worked less as good as it does. Let me go to a 1967 uh, Speed King. And, that, and then I was like, that's why they're so cheap. There's never a time to go backwards in something mechanical to a point where it works Less good than it does now. Unless so you it's just like, want to be that guy that's like, I have to use a speed king. Charlie Watts still you know uses what? speed king. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think he does. He just has like a hologram of a speed king overlaid. I, I it, it was it was a really great because I was like, why are these so cheap? That's like a legendary pedal, and and it's yeah. in full working condition. It's like, yeah, because it sucks. Because it's I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I'll tell you what, that's why. When you're ready to get into vintage drum thrones, I've got a couple for you. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about something that really has come a long way? Check out a 1965 wow. Slingelin drum throne. Oh, you're going to be bad. like, I, you're going to, you can only imagine that every drummer in 1965 must have weighed 35, 40 pounds because these things the are most. the flimsiest, crappiest things ever. It's yeah, a piece of man. wood with a piece piece of leather just wrapped around it. Oh, and that's it. God. Yeah, that's like, crazy. Your four just, sets you, on that. <laughs> I was going to say, these we guys go. were playing all night long. You know, and. Th- the thing that I want to do for the camp, I kind of made a joke that I was going to make the campers do speed tests on this Slingerland pedal that I posted. I'm not going to do that. But what I do want to do is I want to all the pedals I bought for 30 to 40 or 20 to 30 dollars. Um, they're all playable. So I do want to throw I got a Speed King. I got a Ghost pedal. I got an old Gretsch and I got the um, Slingerland Tempo King. But I do want to throw them on the kit and just say, go ahead and jam around a little bit. And now imagine your favorite drummer from the 60s. Yeah. This is yeah. what they were dealing That's with. That's what I was going to say. So, if anyone wants to jam to a Zeppelin song at one of your camps, like, okay, but you have to use the Speed King. Like, right? <laughs> you, if you want to do good times, bad times, cool. Here's the pedal. But you, you got to use it. Yeah, totally. You know I, I what? Just, I, I think. What yeah. I do use from those old pedals is the beaters. There's a certain sound that those old beaters oh. get that new beaters just don't get. Like yeah. when they're slight, when they're slightly worn out and flat on one side. Yeah, I yeah, end up for pulling, sure. I end up pulling out the old speaking beater often for. Recording. Well, that's a that's a great point. I, maybe I'll actually give that a try and check yeah. it out. All right, let's talk some education. So I wanted to talk about left hand and building up that left hand. <clears throat> now, and I'm just going to say left hand in place of weak hand, but we obviously know there's non-dominant hand or whatever. Non-dominant hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yes, I understand some of you are extra dexterous. You don't have to write us in and be like, just so you know, I don't have a non-dominant hand. I'm amazing at everything. It's like I get it. 
for the average individual, non-dominant hand, or in my case, my left hand, how I wanted to talk to you about, let's just pick one exercise. You got a student that comes in and the student says, I want to build my weak hand. What is your exercise? How old is said student? Student is at the moment 16 years old. She's been playing for six years and she's taken lessons the whole time. Okay, so serious and understands that practice is painful and grueling. Yes, and so it sucks. I would, and you don't see any results. I would definitely give her the Ed Shaughnessy uh, three to one, three to nine. No, it's three to one, six to nine. Whatever the hell it is, it's three is one single. Holy crap! <laughs> Do you want to cut this out and start over? <laughs> What's funny is I can see the notation in my brain. I'm like, what is it? It's one to three, three to six, three to nine. So you do one okay. right, three lefts. Yeah, you three keep rights, saying that, and I'll just voice lefts. over. Master educator Mike Dawson gives you his insight on left hand development. I do have a degree in music education. (laughs) (laughs) Three to one, four to... No, no, just hit a bunch of notes. Yeah. Okay, so what is it? It's You do a single with your strong hand and then three with your weak hand. You do that 500 times. Okay. Then you do three with your strong hand and six with your weak hand 100 100 times. Then you do three and nine uh, 100 times. So it's Jeez. it's a five hundred. It really is like you're like hey, this is gonna minute, suck. It's a fifteen minute routine, depending on the tempo, and you have to yeah. pick a tempo that you can do the whole thing without breaking. Okay. And I did that on a pillow for a couple years, and it my left hand is still way underdeveloped, but that that kind of evened it out at that stage. I probably started doing that when right. I was in high school, so I've been playing drums for five six years right around that point, and it okay. was huge. Hugely. I mean, and we're talking strictly developing the wrist. The wrist now. Nice. I love it, man. No, I no finger motion. Great exercise. So, yeah, so that's the grueling, like you enjoy practicing and, and just the grind of it. Uh, if it's someone who just wants to play and have fun, I would say learn every beat with your non dominant hand. Left hand lead. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It. I'm, it's like kind of annoying how much I talk about this exact thing in the live lessons on mikeslessons.com when it comes to this but I always say running down a dream by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers left hand lead that's hard that's hard to play normal exactly and, and and really the game is how far did you get this time so it's like oh I made it to the chorus and then maybe next week it's like oh, I made it to the bridge and mm. so um, the other thing that I like to do with that and this see these aren't my exercises that I'm suggesting yet but the other thing I like to do is maybe play four bar phrases weak hand lead then dominant hand lead and listen to the feel maybe I can copy yeah. the speed yeah. but the left hand's going like check 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 and then the right's got chit 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 yeah. so I'm trying to even that out as well um, so my exercise would be would be the Gadsden beat our normal single handed 16th note groove but the left hand ghosts all 16 notes and accents two and four so all so both hands are playing in unison mm-hmm. but the left hand is ghosted the whole time and still has to pop two and four so it's a dynamic exercise it's an endurance exercise and then it becomes a bit of a musical independence exercise while trying to keep the bass drum groove of whatever song you're playing so i'll put on uh, whatever uh, uh you know could be um i don't know uh my own summer by the Deftones. Doesn't matter. Like anything that's a sixteenth note, chat, mm-hmm. and I just sit there doing it and getting that left hand quieter and quieter and quieter. So it's kind of developing multiple parts of the left hand, and it also really shows you like, 
oh man, I can't keep this going without when I move the bass drum anywhere other than one and three. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing too is it really helps you understand the unison thing. It's like, wow, this is really sloppy. I can't play. I mean, I think we spend so much time on single strokes and our clarity between our notes that sometimes we forget, can you play both hands at the exact same time? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And this really cleans that up. So, And you might think, I'll never use it. And it's like, well, I do. I play that Gadsden groove. And a lot of time, right after the backbeat of two, there's three ghost notes. So it's four notes in a row. I don't want those ghost notes to start trailing the hi-hat as I'm trying to quiet them down. Right, yeah. Um, unless I'm trying to be like our featured artist, Questlove. But I, I'd like <laughs> them to be together on purpose. Now how do and you then, snap uh, the accent out? Uh, oh, dude, that's that's tough, man. Uh, you're talking when I'm doing the all 16th yeah, notes, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, like a quick It's just wrist a quick note? whip. Quick yeah. wrist whip. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and the problem is when you put that much more effort into one stroke compared to the strokes that led up to it, it messes with your timing because you have to make that stroke much faster to go from higher than, it, than all the other strokes. Uh, so you have to really, really focus on that. So I think, yeah. are you trying it? I can tell what the tendency would be to rush the, the 16th note before the backbeat to give yourself yeah. a time, enough time to snap it. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't play that one very often, and I probably should. I mean, there's definitely a song I'm having to get down to where the left hand is just going crazy. But right, that uh, reminds yeah, I me. Think, I mean, it's not a left oh, hand ahead. thing, but I heard that when Max Roach would give a lesson to anyone, the first thing lesson one was quarter notes with all four limbs. That was it. That was lesson number one. Wow. And using and working on your balance, like can you crescendo each limb independently of the other limbs? And think about it, like we've played our whole lives. When was the last time that you did that exercise? I mean, uh, I mean last time I heard that Max taught that way, maybe exactly. 10 years ago. But if you, <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, but and if you had never heard that story, it wouldn't have even occurred to you. But I would have never have done it. But obviously it's, it's like, can't, as soon as you, you say it, it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I have only played for 35 years, so yeah. I'm not I'm not even bummed at myself that I haven't done that yet. I, I'm just on this instrument. I'm just getting warmed up. I'm I've almost on an every now. quintuplet over 16th note possible <laughs> variation, but I've never once played quarter notes with all four limbs. My feet do metric modulation while my hands do polyrhythms, and then I say the alphabet out loud while skipping a letter and cooking. But dinner. can you play quarter notes at 60 BPM? No, because that would be useful, <laughs> and I don't ever want to do anything useful. I only want to do things that are hard and make other musicians upset at me. Oh, goodness. <laughs> goodness gracious. All right, well, there's two great exercises for you. Do the Ed Shaughnessy uh, thing that Mike can't figure out yet. Okay, let me, give it to you. Some... let me give it okay. to you straight here. <laughs> it's a right and three lefts. You repeat. 100 times. 500 times. I mean, you could pick a number. Let's just say okay. 100. You know, 100 times. Then you do three rights and six lefts. Okay. You do that half as many so times as you did nine. the other one. So that would be 50. And then okay. you do three. And did I say nine? Yes, three with the right, nine with the left. You do that okay. 50 times. So you've got a grouping of four, then um, nine, then 12. So as far as a metronome setting, do you feel this as a subdivision of triplets or as 16th notes? No, it's just, it's just a steady stream of notes. Okay. There's I'm just no, trying to think of no setting the metronome. Yeah, there's no Oh, pulse. there is no. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. You just gotcha. do one, two, three, four, one, two, three. Okay. okay. You just count them. But you want to keep it okay. up, keep it steady the whole time. 
I got gotcha. you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Or you, so you could just set your metronome to just the whole exactly because that's so much fun. I mean, it's it's designed to be torture. Drumming is torture. It's not fun. There you go. Take that, sixteen-year-old female student that's been playing for six years. Mike's gonna just. Drop the hammer on you. All I mean, right. I think when you're at that age, that's when you're like, yes, you should, yes, give me the stuff oh, that's I agree. hard and I torture. Agree. And you know, it- well, here's the other thing, especially for people in school music. This is another reason why I think school music is so important. In our lives after high school and after college, besides your job and my job, when does the average person that plays drum, when do they run into drummers? Ever like really not hardly ever unless they go to a music store or something where within school I knew that ev- five days a week I'd be running into four other drummers in school band and I always wanted to be like what are you working on oh well here's what I'm working on yeah. and my exercise is cooler than your exercise yeah. and let's trade exercises and so I think you're right at that age you should be just going for it and and you got you got nothing else to do <laughs> I mean it's I was so I would important. like watch like like MTV and just do that exercise or watch yep. a drum video Absolutely. and just do that exercise. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so it's time to thank our sponsor, Dream Symbols. They uh, they wanted to make sure that we were aware of anyone who's going through the NAMM show that they will be there. They will be in booth 7239. And in their booth, they will be featuring their 10th anniversary symbols, which if you go to their YouTube channel, you can see a bunch of clips of Scott Pellegrom uh, demonstrating that symbol. So what that symbol is, is it is a 24-inch small bell flat ride, which is interesting. It's a flat ride, but it has a little bell in it. Nice. And, it, and they're all Weird. been uh, patinated by hand from the guys at Dream. So they're all completely different. So it has like the, you know, the clean attack of a flat ride, but it's it's 24 inches, so it's got a lower pitch. And it also opens up more because it has a bell. So it's kind of a unique kind of a flat bell with more wash, like a flat ride with more wash. Kind of neat. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, check them out. They'll be at the NAMM show, booth 7239. And definitely go to their YouTube channel, ASAP, and check out those those videos with Scott Pellegrim. I think they just posted them. There might be like 10 of them or something up there. So, that's it. Thanks, and Dream. Scott's just fun to watch. Yeah. Each one of them is him doing something crazy with it. It's cool. It's very cool. Very cool. So, thanks, Dream. And where are we at now? we got to talk about... It is time to talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Questlove. Amir Khalib Thompson, a.k.a. Quest. Uh, I mean, really, I can't even... I was trying to think of this earlier today. Do you think that currently there is a more famous drummer in the world? Dave Grohl? I mean, Do you think, though? Yeah. I mean, Dave Grohl's famous to drummers, but I'm thinking to non-drummers... And I'm still seeing Dave Grohl right now as not a drummer, but as the leader of the Foo Fighters. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, think, I, think I don't know. It's it would be close. I, I would say definitely in the rock it would be Grohl. But I'm trying to think. We just take four drummers and drop them off in Jakarta. Who gets recognized first? Well, I mean, he's definitely way more recognizable than than Dave Grohl or Chad Smith. But I don't. Yeah, the, I mean, okay. So let's say that he's probably in the top five. Of yeah, most. I would say he's the most identifiable figure. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, and the stuff he's doing, it, it just just like Grohl, it transcends the drum world. He's he still is a drummer, but he's doing everything from writing, you know, cookbooks to to being really. I mean, if you think about what he's doing with the roots on the uh, Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, he's 
he's the personality. Yeah, you know? he's, he's like the leader. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's 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 really quite incredible, and I'm sure whether you know who Questlove is, um, most people probably got into him through his band The Roots. But whether you know who he is or not, you do know who he is. You just might not know. But there's so much music and so much influence that he's had on the entire scene. When he went in, in God, I don't even know what year it was, but it must have been like the mid to late two th- or uh, mid two thousands. What am I saying? Like 2004, 2005, or maybe like even late 90s, I guess. But when he did like the D'Angelo record, which we'll talk about, but also yeah. at the same time, Jill Scott, uh, Nick Acosta, when he did all of that, everything I was listening to, not by choice, happened to be Questlove. I wasn't getting them because they were Questlove things. I was getting them because I liked the music. And I was like, oh, my God, this is The Roots, too. And this is Quest on this. Um that's interesting. And, yeah. 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 I think that was the late 90s. I'm not sure. I mean, the Roots' yeah. first record came out when I was in high school, and I think that was like 95. 93. Which record? Uh, the first Roots record, 93. I'm trying to find it now. The one I remember uh, was Do You Want More. That was the one that came out, and I like played along to every freaking day for like five years. Yeah. I mean that and when that uh when that track um You Got Me by Eric Badu came out, that yeah. just was like yeah, whoa. That was, that was okay. on I think that was on Things Fall Apart from the I mean a third or fourth record, I don't remember. They have so many albums. I know. But I mean and then doing like um do you remember the thing he did with Christian McBride? Yeah, that was great uh, too. Uh the, the Philadelphia, Philadelphia experiment. experiment. Yep. Doing that and then he was doing uh did the album with Joshua Redman, I remember. And um, what was it? Uh, momentum. And, and then yeah. he, he was just on everything. I think, though, when you look at drum history, what really set him apart from everybody was the D'Angelo voodoo record. Um, I think that that was the thing that really all of a sudden it was like, OK, we've never really heard a drummer do these things that in our minds at the time. I remember the first time I heard that album, I was positive I was listening to the worst album that had ever been created because <laughs> all I was like, these are all illegal things. Now, keep in mind, I'm a West Coast kid that's not growing up in Philly. I'm not hearing this in the clubs. So I'm like, you guys can't even play in time. This is crazy. <laughs> and what's really funny is Quest actually talks about that exact thing in an interview. So let's roll a clip of Quest talking about creating the feel that he had on D'Angelo's voodoo album and how uh, D'Angelo kind of pushed him in this direction. You know, by the time that D'Angelo and I started the voodoo record which was like mid 96 um that was the hardest thing ever because he constantly like he wanted me to drag the beat but then he dragged the beat behind me and so now i gotta program my mind to think okay this is the metronome and now he wants me to play Which is, you know, I, I started having issues like, well, what if other drummers like the musician community is going to laugh at me? And he's like, nah, man, trust me, like t- use the force. That's he's to use all these Star Wars analogies with me, like use the force, man. And I'd never seen Star Wars. So so where was that taken from? It was like a Red Bull Music Academy interview or yep. something. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually called Couch Wisdom Quest Love on D'Angelo's Voodoo. And uh, it's from the Red Bull Music Academy. What I think is cool about that is that 
while you can analyze it scientifically and say how far back is the backbeat and how far forward is the hi-hats, I mean, even in his little plan demo there, it, he's he's just guessing. He's just, all right, let me just play behind the beat. Let me just play ahead of the beat. And That was what was crazy. Like, I kind of thought when he started to play that it would be this thing that just sounded like a loop, but he just kind of messed with it. And yeah, then it was like, okay, cool. This around. technically sounds bad. <laughs> yeah. Let's stay here. But it, it made me feel better. I was like, oh, I could at least try that. I don't know if I could do it, but I could yeah. at least try it. I think that the um, trick will be find one that you think sounds neat and do it repeatedly rather than kind of haphazardly would be the, the challenge. I, I cannot play in that style. My brain will not allow me to play rhythms that aren't, right? you know, have some sort of alignment. I just... I you know I respect it. I think it sounds really cool when people like him do it. I don't love it when when other people just kind of go right. into it. I yeah. don't think it's something that you should appropriate unless you're really into this style. Um, no, I mean, and his name is an adjective for this. Like we've used Steve Jordan's name as an adjective to describe pocket and groove. We've used Matt Chamberlain's name to describe texture. And when somebody does that, I'm like, I either say, oh, you're doing the Philly thing or you're doing the Questlove thing. Yeah. But I never think like, oh, cool. You must have just come up with that on your own. It's like he stamped this so hard (laughs) on those albums. Um, You know, D'Angelo, Jill Scott, Erica Badu, Bilal, uh, Nick Acosta. Those albums just had such a thing to him. Even John Legend. I mean, he's done everything. And I think it's important to point out that he didn't doesn't always play that way. Like that was oh, a for thing sure. that they invented for the the you know the D'Angelo record, which is not dissimilar to how Al Green and Al Jackson Jr. invented that sound for that period of records. But mm-hmm. Al Jackson Jr. didn't play like that on everything. And Questlove, well, and the Roots don't play like that. Yeah, they change every record. I mean, right, totally. It's like some records he'll have a fusion kit, some records he'll have a, you know a piccolo snare, some records he'll have yeah. big sounding. I mean, it, so like that. While that's really captivating and it's cool, that's just one tiny little piece to what he does. Uh, yeah. Tiny, tiny I mean, little piece. I, you know, I I would say the only other album that I really hear it on is, um, I think it's called Who Is Jill Scott? So it's Jill Scott's first album, which he was recording at the exact same time as the D'Angelo album. So that right, makes, makes sense. sense. But for the most part, it's all super pocket, um, just crazy super pocket, you know. So I sent you a link before I think I made it a couple of days ago, but they they had released the Roots released their own version of Jay Dilla, uh, some of their favorite Jay Dilla beats, and they recreated them like live. So I don't know if the album is still available, but it's called Dilla Joints. Um, it is on YouTube, so you can check it. It's streaming there, uh, but it's it's pretty amazing. They're recreating these these produced beats you know live and he's playing every note of it so i wanted to also grab just a little bit of that so we'll grab just the first 30 seconds of the opening cut which is called hall and oats now it's time to get into some candy let's talk about some gear 15 inch hi-hats are you a fan i love 15s i think they're actually my default all-purpose size these Mine days too. 14s yeah. I, I mean i only go to 14s when i need something that hits and gets out of the way 15s i think if you had the right pairing it kind of sits perfectly 
I couldn't agree more. So, yeah, so we're talking about the Minel 15-inch Pure Alloy hats. And the Pure Alloys were released, I believe, last year at NAMM. And it's a new series for them of machine-made, fully-lathed symbols uh, that are all made in Germany. And have you had a chance to demo any of the Pure Alloy stuff? No. I just played them a little bit at the NAMM show, and they, they were very clean and, and pure-sounding. Properly named, it sounded yeah, like. Yeah, properly named. That's a... <laughs> That's a minor thing. I remember that's how we got the name for the transition ride. Mitch said, tell me what the ride does. And uh, I said, it seamlessly transitions from, and I never got any further. He's like, transition ride, done. Done. I was like, okay. Moving on. I could only imagine that they asked Benny the same thing. Like, well, tell me what it does. He's like, it has a sandy feel. Sand ride, go. Uh, Every time you mention that ride, I think of the bottom texture, and it just makes my teeth (laughs) hurt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so funny. That is so funny. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, so 15-inch pure alloy medium hi-hats. Uh, so they're, they don't come in any thickness other than that right now. They're just medium hi-hats. And, guys, these are, like, just straight up 15-inch. I need my hi-hats to sound like hi-hats. And I think what I really like about this series from Minel is, and full disclosure, I'm a Minel artist, obviously, but they've really cornered the market in the dry, nasty raw thing they've gone about as far as you can go with the raw thing and doing the trashy thing and now they have a somewhat affordable set of or a series of symbols that just kind of sounds like symbols and so i could see it bringing a lot of people into minel that were just like yeah i like minel i like what they're doing i like their artists but sometimes i just need a set of symbols to sound like symbols Mm. um from what I understand, my A&R, Chris Brewer, he's playing the 15-inch pure alloys on his main kit right now cool. in Nashville and not to test them. He's, been, he's had them on his kit for about a year. And so what I pretty much alternate between my 15-inch butter prototype hats and these. So if I'm going to do anything articulate, I'm using the 15-inch pure alloy hats. So before we talk too much more about them, let's give them a listen. I think it, it has, it's, has, has a lower pitch than I than some of my 15s, which is kind of surprising. So it has okay. kind of like a deeper pitch, but still has that real clean attack, which is kind of hard to come by. Now, it's, I think Minel has been brilliant in their marketing because 10 years ago, when I first started really checking them out, they were a heavy metal symbol. I mean, it was like oh, absolutely, that's what brought them bright and on loud. The scene. Yeah, and then very quickly they went to like the opposite of that and i wonder how many people forget that these guys they were known as like a heavy metal symbol primarily they were what put them on the scene was technically the vans warp tour um oh, cool. you know thing, things of that yeah, nature yeah. uh that was uh what they were endorsing they you know every artist and they um they every artist on Ozfest. it was like all the metal stuff and all of the yeah. punk pop stuff those were the minor guys and i mean i think really 
you have to give a lot of credit to Aaron Gillespie for bringing them to for making them cool. Um, he was, you know, under oath was exploding, and he he just was the thing. And so there was so much stuff, and then even Jason Bittner doing like the straight metal That's thing. That's what I remember. Um, yeah, Chris Adler, Jason yeah. Bittner, those were the guys, and uh, Bron Daler. Right. It was like they had all Bron the, Daler, the modern sure. metal dudes. Absolutely, yeah, and then. What happened was, I mean, this is what people don't realize, is that Meinl has only been making professional-level symbols for a little over a decade. So the Byzance series is their first venture into professional-level B20 symbols. And that, you know, that brought on Thomas Lang, because he was a Zildjian guy. Oh, right, um, yeah. Johnny Rab had a huge part in all of this you know he, he came yeah. out with kind of all the the drumbles and all that stuff and then i think a really the biggest thing that really pushed them into okay now you are now it's the big four instead of the big three was the signing and the explosion of benny greb yeah it was kind uh, of like the perfect storm like he really came to prominence at the same time yeah and he became the guy he became our new guy that we look to for advice on sound he was obsessed with sound and if somebody's obsessed with sound and they choose a specific company you immediately wonder why oh why does he choose sonar drums why does he choose minor symbols and then after that they filled in the gaps with the roster it's been a really cool thing to watch and i think that this set of symbols the pure alloy set gives a lot it, it just broadens the spectrum even more mm-hmm. because now it's like oh cool you guys have clean crisp symbols um, and that aren't and necessarily not for heavy metal. I think that's for me the distinction. That Good they're, point. They're all-purpose yeah. symbols rather than the bright kind of you know cut through the noise symbols. These I think you could just use on just about anything. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's really cool is, and this is what my old Germany was pushing for: was can we make a set of B twenty symbols, high end symbols in house? Because if we can, we can drop the price down because we don't have to have them made in Turkey. Oh right. Yeah. Um, and so these are all made, you know, this is the first kind of set of professional symbols. They tried it with the M series a little while back, and I think that was part of the progression leading up to That's this. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was leading up to this. And, you know, full disclosure, once again, as an artist, I don't think they got it quite right. There were certain symbols in the M series line that worked pretty good. And there were certain ones that just didn't with that process. I mean, they, none of them sounded bad by any means, but it was just, it was like, yeah, the crashes are still a little too thick. Um, the ride's too pingy. And everyone just kept moving towards the Byzance. And then with the pure alloys, it was like, uh-oh, uh, yeah, I think we're good here. So these are pretty amazing symbols. Uh, and price-wise, for a set of 15-inch hi-hats, you're looking at about 340 bucks, uh, somewhere in that area. Yeah, and that's not, not bad. bad for a professional set of 15s because... One thing that people forget when they look at hi-hats, they just see a 15-inch symbol, but you forget there's one underneath it. So you're looking at a 30-inch ride. Yeah, right. Think of it metal-wise. It's a 30-inch ride. This is a big piece of – there's a lot of metal. So 340 bucks to have a, a nice set of 15s. And like I said, for me, these are – out of all the hi-hats I have, and I have a lot here at least to demo uh, – these are this is my second pair. So I have my 15-inch butter hats, which are my, you know, I would say similar to just old school vintage symbols. And then I have these for for clarity. And you could hear even in that playing demo when I do a little five-stroke roll on the hats, you hear every single note. Yeah, but it's not like I think again, it's not super high pitched and bright, which is it's like a nice blend. Right. Yeah, I'm not using exactly. I'm not using like a two. Uh, 
24 inch extra thick rides. <laughs> ting, 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 ting. Uh, yeah. So I, <laughs> can we talk about the absurdity of hi hat sizes recently? Like, I don't want yeah. to see any more 20 inch hi hats. Just stop no. it. Just I'm stop you, it. We're all aware of, you know, <laughs> what, what can, what's possible. I mean, really, you know, when, actually these are a good example of that. Um, you know, that this is like a callback to when people made, we have a 20 inch symbol, you know, uh, yeah, my buddy right. Tim Metz just brought over a full set. So he, um, I've told you about Tim quite a few, a few times, but Tim got a full set of, uh, Zildjian, um, what is it? The A's, I guess the old, old A's um, or K's. 50s. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And, uh, but they're all, um, it was all new old stock. So never been played oh, one owner that never played them and they're all brand new. And so he brought them over and it, yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's like, well, this is my 20 inch a and this is my 22 inch a it's not a crash it's not a oh, ride yeah. it's a symbol and these kind of remind me of that it's like that's eh, just a symbol um or the uh Peisty giant beats same thing yeah and so these kind of have that vibe to them so yeah if you guys are looking if any of you are looking for a good set of 15 inch hats they make 14s obviously as well but the 15s really stood out to me and you know my when my rep calls me and says look i know it's not your sound but i have to send these to you because i think you're going to freak out that's a good sign um, yeah, you know, he doesn't say that with every single symbol that they've ever made. So, uh, definitely check them out. All right. You ready to get into some listener questions? I think so. What do we got here? We've got first one is from Ralph. I think we've touched on this before, but it's always a good one to bring back. So my question has to do with your thoughts on using homemade charts or roadmaps on gigs. He says, often I am the only guy in the band using one. While I'm certainly, while I'd certainly rather be correct on the form of the tune, do you think I should get out of this habit? Um, if and then he says, do you guys go with a tablet rather than using the paper charts? What do you recommend? Uh, that's, a, that's a really good point. I think. Uh, well, one thing that stands out to me right away is just, is that you're the only one using the chart. Yeah. If I'm in a situation that's like a rock situation, I don't want to be glued to a piece of paper while my bandmates are having fun because half of our role in that gigging situation is to provide entertainment. And I can't really entertain anybody if I'm staring at a chart. If it's if it's a jazz band situation or a big band situation where everyone's staring at a chart, then obviously you don't look out of place. So I think for me when I do cover gigs, I have a roadmap and I glance at it, but that roadmap is spaced out in maybe even 16 bar phrases or as simple as verses and chorus. So I just kind of, I don't really need to look to my left again until we come to the chorus. Yeah. And I think you can definitely be, um, you can be locked to that chart forever. If you don't at one point say, I'm not taking my book, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, I agree. That's something that, that I think anyone who's, who's messed with this has had to deal with is, you know, if you're doing one show, if you're filling in for somebody or if it's your first time playing with this band or first time playing the song, use the cheat sheets, use whatever you need to do. But if it's your 10th right. gig and you're playing the same set list, leave the freaking right. book at home because chances yeah. are it's already in your memory. It's just you don't trust your memory to just go for it. So right. I think at least yeah. just close the book on a couple songs and just give yourself the chance to, to not disappoint yourself. Cause I almost guarantee, would, you know, the song you're just afraid. I would love to have a psychiatrist take a look at what's happening to a drummer when they're staring at that cheat sheet 
and how small the world is because they just zero in on a point. And yeah. they just know that if, if you look away, you're going to see people's faces. You're yeah. going to see your band. You're going to see all these drums in front of you. And it's like information overload. You yeah. know? And I could see it being a little bit of a safety net even for the drummers and musicians that don't need it. It's just like I'm just going to stare at this point because I don't have to worry about performing or who might be watching me or anything like that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Once you've got the gig somewhat down, leave it at home. You'll be fine. And honestly – Besides a few obscure tunes, most Western music is fairly like you can kind of hear like we're probably going to stop here. Yeah. Yeah. It's for, for me. It's always about finding what is the one unusual spot in the song because there's usually only totally. one thing. It's like an extra bar yep. before the bridge or there's like a couple hits before the last chorus. Right. Memorize that. The rest yep. of, you know, it's going to be intro, verse, chorus, first chorus, chorus, some kind of a bridge, bridge chorus or a solo. Double chorus out. Yeah. So, yeah. Every time. I think just trust yourself and listen to the songs more without the chart, I think, will help, too. Yeah, the the uh, shower listening and the driving listening, but not active listening. Just have it on. It just gets ingrained, and you just kind of know. Yep. All right, next one comes from, um, how do you say this? G-I-L-L-E-S. Is it Giles? Is it Gills? Or is it Gillis? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Either, either I think all three are pretty cool, and whatever, whichever one it isn't, that's what he's going to be getting called for the rest of the day. We'll call so, him Mr. Casey. Well Let's assume it's a Mr. Casey. There we go. Um, have you guys had personal experience with the Indian conical syllable system? If so, if so, how useful did you find it, and does it have any potential pitfalls? Great question. Really great question. Uh, and that's, you know, trying to think, man, who could have brought that to my maybe maybe it was Pete Magadini that brought it to my attention for the first time, and that's kind of how I was learning odd groupings. Uh, but I didn't go very deep into it. I kind of made my own thing for odd groupings, and I, I felt that the Indian world was something that was extremely vast, and I didn't want to I didn't want to kind of scratch the surface. I wanted if mm. I was going to get into it, I wanted to get into it, and I'm still so poor at playing uh, a single stroke role that I, it just hasn't been the thing that i've i've you know sought out somebody to, to learn but i obviously i went and saw steve smith play with uh the masters of percussion zakir hussein and the masters of percussion and obviously it's beneficial so have you have you studied it i mean i did i studied tabla for a couple of years i mean never got to the point where i could even play a composition uh but I, f I, I think the syllable stuff helped but i don't think it's crucial like for me it was more like, why learn another language when I already know 16 notes and how to say them accurately? I don't need other words and syllables. Um, but I can see the benefit right. where if you learn the five-note syllables, then you can just repeat that pattern without having to count, um, you know, the, the subdivisions in, in ones and twos and threes. But Right. I mean, it all kind of made sense, you know, as far as, like I said, we already know our odd groupings. Uh, I, I'm always mixing up threes, fives, and sevens, and I'm just, instead of using the Indian syllables, I'm just singing get, to get, get, to get, 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 yeah. to get, to get, to get, get. So I, I've, I've already got a little bit of that vocabulary, and when I hear somebody play it, I'm recognizing it, but I'm not recognizing it using their language, so. Yeah, yeah. So I think it, if it, I think it's a, it down to if it works for you, cool. If not, I, for me, it was, I was afraid to not 
I was afraid to just trust the syllables and not keep track of where the pulse was. Like I didn't yeah. want to allow myself to just, okay, if I just do this five note syllable five times, it'll resolve after, you know, a measure or whatever. I didn't want to do right. that. I'd rather like, where does the downbeat fall within each five? And now I'm good. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is I think we just have our own languages and the, that's the language that makes the most sense to me is exactly what you said. I need to know like, well, are they... I, we agree that the grouping is five, but are they 16th notes? Okay, well, then I can just play this in 5-4, and it'll always cycle on the downbeat uh, of one bar. Is it quintuplets? Well, then I can stay in 4-4, four, four and it'll cycle. Yeah. Uh, am I going to stay in 5 in 4-4 four, four while playing the 16th notes? Okay, then it's going to take five bars to get back to the downbeat of one. And so th- that that mathematical side always made sense to me, so I just, same as you, just kept it there. All right, we got one here from J.C., would you discuss tuning for the batter and rezo head and the shell material depth as it relates to sensitivity in a snare drum? Mm. Yeah. You just did your whole depth test. Yeah, I think I think the sensitivity isn't really I mean it doesn't really all that stuff doesn't really matter. It comes down to the bearing edge, the bottom bearing edge, how how clean is it, how flat is it, and then tuning I mean, I think as long as the bottom head is tight, you're going to get the maximum sensitivity out of that <laughs> drum. And then shell material, I don't think that one material is going to be more. I mean, if you have a really, really bent up, crappy steel snare drum and a really clean, sharp edge on a mahogany drum, the mahogany drum is going to be more sensitive than the steel. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, I think that there is a thickness um component for sure because i have a really really thick snare that's um uh gretsch new classic do you remember that line oh yeah is that, that a wood shell bugs? it's a wood shell and it's and and they did the, th- the thing where each drum was progressively getting thicker yeah like right. the the rack tom was thinner than the bass drum and um the snare's a pretty thick drum and it's just not very sensitive whatsoever and um you know, I think I think the depth isn't going to really control the sensitivity. The depth seems to be what chokes the drum out a little bit, you know, and, yeah. and makes it. I played last night in a, a Man on the Moon rehearsal. I played the Ludwig, the 20s Ludwig, just because the band wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. And without telling them what it did or that it was a, you know, two piece brass shell or anything like that. Immediately, Q goes, man, that's a poppy drum. Mm. Well, it's tuned the same as every other drum I have here. It's just one inch shallower. Yeah. And it just kind of goes, kick, and it's out of the way, you know? And, yeah. Um, but I don't you, think so. That, I mean, that's not, for me, that doesn't. But that's not the sensitivity. It's not sensitivity. That's like the quickness. No. Exactly. So different. I don't think the depth really controls that. And I've got some six and a half drums that if you barely brush them with your finger, you immediately hear the snares. Yeah. Um, and that, well, let me ask you this, since I'm assuming you've kind of played with this, but some snares that uh, Gretsch sends here, at least all their USA snares come with the 40 wires, and then most other snares I have have 25 or 20. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the amount of snare wires, if the bed can handle it, adds to the sensitivity? Again, no. I think I think the number of wires just adds or subtracts the noise factor. I think, okay. for me, sensitivity means if I hit the drum super light across the entire head do i get some snare response right and yeah, you can get I, that, I can get that from an 8 by 14 i can get that from a 12 by 14 which i discovered and With, i and i have some 4 by 14s that aren't sensitive because the edges are super round and okay it, and it or 
something about it. It's just not the snares aren't activating. You know what? Now that you say that, I'm, I'm thinking my my broadcaster snare. The one reason I don't use it is because it's not a very sensitive snare, and that's round over kind of baseball bat bearing or yeah. reverse round over. Um, Which it, it, I, I think that's assume, a good sound yeah. for certain things. I think like totally acoustic jazz where you don't want the snare to be super bright. I mean, you want something right. that's maybe not super sensitive in some situations. You want a darker sound. Sure. I think it translates into a darker sound because the snares aren't like super snappy right which is the high frequency of the drum itself right yeah so i don't yeah. i mean it's i think it's ultimately down to that bottom bearing edge and he says something <laughs> about the heads i mean yeah i guess if you put a coated pinstripe it, it'll make it a little less sensitive. a little less sensitive yeah maybe but i've not tested that <laughs> i can't i can't say that that's a complete hypothesis yeah i mean it's 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 funny like uh, you know that you're dealing with a, a drummer, not somebody that owns drums, but a drummer. When you see them at a drum shop and they're grabbing every snare off the wall and there's no stick in sight and they're just tapping it with their finger. Mm. And it's like, cool, you get it. You don't have to rail a bunch of 30-second note singles on this thing to find out what you need to know. It's like, okay, I went through all of these, tapped them barely with my finger, and these four responded right away. These are the sensitive drums I'm looking for. Um, and I think it depends, too, like what you grew up with. If you grew up only listening to rock and and the deft tones and all that stuff then you probably don't need that sensitive of a drum you need a drum that you know could handle a huge rim shot where for guys like us we grew up with those ludwig well what's the chrome over uh aluminum oh that the, well that's the superphonic or the acrolyte i mean it depends on which right one. yeah yeah superphonic you know those were our school band snare drums or yeah. drums like that mm -hmm. 14 by 5 uh, and they were very sensitive drums, and that's what I thought a snare drum should be since I grew up with it, you know, so. Yeah. I guess, All right. Did we answer? I think so. No. <laughs> Always yes. leave these these discussions. Like, did we actually answer? Well, no, but I think isn't that like what the whole point of this is? Is like, uh, yeah, you got to test it out. That's a, the same thing every time somebody says, hey, I got a new overhead. Where should I put it? I'm like freaking over the kit yeah. somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Move it around. I think Keep I mean, moving it until it sounds good. A lot of it is, I think, knowing that the, the actual definitions of the words you're using. Like, do you want it to be sensitive or do you want it to be articulate? They're two. They're two very different things and i yeah, think agreed i think that's kind of where i was wishy-washy like how do you define sensitivity versus quickness or articulation and right they're not the same thing no no no. and i think uh uh yeah i mean a, a 14 by 7 bell brass can be extremely articulate yeah um, or it could be really but sensitive the, but it could also be <laughs> we have no idea or it could be very sensitive <laughs> but not articulate i mean it's i think you could right yeah, since it uh, anyway, should we move on? <laughs> I think so. I think so. All right. Uh, keep sending your questions if you want no answers at all to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. Uh, I repeat, I have a degree in music education. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am schooled. Oh, that is great. I repeat, oh, I have an educational man. website that is doing decently well. <laughs> <laughs> and we have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, I might so. have been valedictorian in my high school. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey, I, uh, I I went with the plan C's get degrees and yeah, I just you, just graduate, which baby. Which clearly is a much smarter choice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so it's time for picks of the week. All right. Is yours this video, or did you just send that to me for the uh, the the roots Dilla joints video? Yeah, that was just for you to check out. Um, okay, well, then let's not talk about it, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's give it a uh, an almost pick of the week because I, I watched it and or listened to it and it's fantastic. Yeah, it was, I think I mentioned it in the last segment. If you YouTube the Roots Dilla joints, they were making it as a free download as the audio, but I think it's since been pulled off their website. It might have been a limited time, but I was lucky enough to grab the audio when it was available. But the whole thing is streaming on YouTube. Hopefully, it'll be there by the time you search oh, for it. Only 3 million views. Poor Roots. Poor Roots. They are really struggling, aren't they? <laughs> rough, rough, <laughs> rough times with your YouTube ads. Uh, yeah, it, no, it's fantastic. And uh, it definitely, when you know that a human played it to recreate Dilla's stuff, that's when it's just kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, exactly. That's I think that's quest of genius. Of He does not stop until it's exactly the way he wants it to be. Which is yeah, pretty, pretty awesome. Amazing. All right, so my pick of the week is a pretty high-end item. I'm going to put that disclaimer out there. Uh, DPA Microphones sent me, what are they calling this thing? It's called the device, but it's spelled D colon V-I-C-E. Pretty clever, but it's they have this, it's basically a mobile um, audio interface that's, that's actually like high-quality audio. Um, and they have several different kits. The one that they sent me came with a lavalier mic as well as a, I think it's a super cardioid condenser mic. So you can use, if you want to do live streams and you don't want to have to sync up audio after the fact, or you're going to be remotely like at a, at a show or something and you want to be able to take something that can get professional quality stuff that you don't need to worry about editing and mixing too, too much after the fact, this is about as good as it gets. Um, the interface itself is super tiny. I was shocked at how small it is. It's it's. It says it's like two inches. Yeah, I mean you can fit it in your coat pocket. It's so small, um, and it's not thick either. So it's really discreet. And the lavalier sounded great. I used it on a. Uh, I just did like a quick tuning video on my site that I used it to test it out, and I didn't have to do any compression or EQ to my voice at all after the fact. It was just clean. Wow. Um, the cardio condenser i put it in front of the drum kit and just played and it sounded like the drums in the room like exactly how they sounded not tons of really like pumped up low end not really harsh high end it just sounded like my room i don't love the way my room sounds without any magic tricks <laughs> right sure it, it sounded like my room that's awesome yeah so what I, i've actually never maybe i have I, i'm not overly familiar with dpa yeah. Are they a microphone company? They are a, a high-end microphone company. I believe they're in okay. Denmark, so their U.S. presence is not quite as big as it probably will be soon. Okay, but I've tested some of their their mics for drums over the years, and they're they're you know they're super pro, like totally pro. Awesome. There's, there's no. Uh, I think I think they're marketing this particular kit for like news broadcasters and stuff. Like, okay, legit. so this is like legit, legit. Yeah. I was going to ask you: Have you reviewed the uh, the Yamaha EAD10 yet? I've got it in my studio and it's just waiting to be turned on. Okay, because I'm uh, uh, Yamaha has just sent one out for me, and they were like, "This might be the answer for all of your students that are looking to make drum videos for your site, but don't want to get into full blown interfaces, microphones." And I was like, and then he told me all about, uh, his name's Stephen Fisher. He used yep. to work over at Roland. So he told me all about it. We talked for about an hour on the phone and I was like, uh, dude, that sounds pretty rad. Yeah. Um, so I, I look forward, maybe we'll do a dual review cause I'll have it and you'll have it and we can oh, cool. let people know when about you're it. getting it now. Cause I'm, I need to finish up. I think I'm getting it. it like, yeah. In the next day or two. Okay, great. Maybe next week we can, that'd be it. really cool. 
All right, my pick of the week is a little less expensive than Mr. Dawson's. Um, I believe you can download the EP for $4. Uh, the group is called, uh, I think, Vallis Alps, V-A-L-L-I-S Alps, A-L-P-S. And all it is, uh, I'm talking about, uh, they had an EP from 2015 that was self-entitled. So, and it's just a really, really good trip hop EP that stays out of your way. So for those of you that struggle practicing to a click, I encourage you to practice along to music that stays out of your way. Not only can you assume that anything trip hop and electronic based was probably recorded and quantized with a metronome. So it's in time and it just gives you the opportunity to test out these ideas that you're working on. With music, and it, I, I find that playing along to music really lets me know, like, okay, cool drum idea, horse crap musical idea, mm. chuck it, you know. <laughs> right. uh, so I think that that's one step that you know we as drum nerds can skip is like, well, let me play it to a song, and it's like, ah, it's kind of just us saying, like, I don't want to find out how poorly this would work with a song. I'll just keep it for me. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so check out Vallis Alps EP. Uh, they have more stuff, but the 2015 one is the one I'm talking about. Why are you laughing? I've got to, I mean, I'm just thinking back, like, as a as a really naive, stupid 25 year old. My great idea that I remember thinking, like, I'm gonna, this is gonna, gonna make my mark, is I'm only gonna keep track of the pulse internally. Everything I play is gonna be abstract. Like that was how I was gonna do it. Like, I'm gonna my. <laughs> I'm going to blow people's minds. They're not ready for the Dawsonator X. It made absolutely no sense. I'm like, why would anyone want to listen to that? Like, what? <laughs> Exactly. That's kind of why it's important to, once you're done and you got the idea worked out and you've got it memorized and you've worked out some orchestrations, just put on a John Mayer track and just, you know, find out, is there any time that you would ever use this? Um like it's, sometimes people will be like, "Hey man, I worked really hard on that YouTube video you did. Like, where would I use that?" And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Oh, in your next YouTube video." Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's the only place you would ever use that. Uh, it, that's that's drum entertainment. It's fun oh. to do that stuff, but musically, or do what I did, make your own band, and be like, "Hey guys, I'm gonna play like this the whole time." Yeah, make some music around. That's it. kind of the um, ultimate. I mean, I think of someone like Virgil Donati, like. He his ideas are don't fit in Western typical music, so he writes right, his own music. Sure. I mean, that's he's yeah. got his own stuff, and it it there makes sense. He, we wouldn't necessarily put that in his uh, Blink One Eighty Two tribute band or something, right. <laughs> <laughs> which I would love to see. All right, guys. So if you have a couple thousand dollars burning a hole in your pocket, <laughs> check out Mike's DPA device, and if you've got four dollars, then go check out my recommendation. All right, everybody, have a fantastic week. Hey, we, we haven't we see. haven't requested yeah. any reviews in a while, and so if anyone hasn't reviewed the show, please go to iTunes and give us an honest review, an honest assessment. Um, critic, you know, criticisms are welcome as well, but I think we just need to get some more words on that page, and so more people can check out the show. And you can send your questions to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com, as well as audio questions, as well as audio of your grooves that you want us to drop in for the intro or outro. And who is our... Speaking of that, closing? who's our outro groove? So, it's not Ryan. He was last week. We did... Kelly was our intro, so it's Tim. Tim, more ambient stuff. There we go. Does reverb just equal ambience? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think it defines it, it, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't looked it up. I have a... Uh... 
Oh, I have so much to talk to you about. <laughs> If you are leading change, building a team, or implementing new procedures, Gonzaga University's online master's in organizational leadership gives you the tools for success. With concentrations in change, global, and servant leadership, you'll get the most relevant training and education to help you tackle any challenge. Visit gonzaga.edu slash leader and find out how Gonzaga's organizational leadership degree can affect positive change in your life and career. That's gonzaga.edu slash leader. Happy Honda Days are here at Norm Reeves Honda Superstore. Shop a super selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs. And get holiday deals so good, they belong under your tree. Visit our super award-winning Norm Reeves Honda Superstore locations in Huntington Beach, West Covina, the Irvine Auto Center, Vista, and the number one Honda store in the world in the Cerritos Auto Square. Shop online at normreeves.com. You'll save more Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.